From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, welcome back to the car debate. Here we are for another episode. We have a lot to talk about tonight. Two really cool car debates coming up, kind of lengthy, and I actually thought they were a little bit difficult, but we've got a fun show that is kind of wrapped around money and fun. <laughs> I hate to say it, but this is, is kind of the money podcast. We're going to start off by talking about Pebble Beach. Paul was just there. I want to get back to that in just a second. However, we've got two car debates coming up, one for Tyler in California, who crazy as it sounds, mostly drives Highway 1, PCH, which is just kind of crazy to think about. And then we've also got another one coming up from our friend Noah up in Canada. He's got some questions for us about just buying a fun car, and he's got a decent budget to do it. So this is almost the Exotic Driver podcast tonight. Interesting. That sounds like a lot of fun. And yes, yes. gobs of money. We, we usually try to stay within people's budgets. That may not be this podcast. No, I think once you start talking, that's one of the reasons we group these here, because once you start talking about the Monterey weekend at Pebble Beach, that's not even money. That's like I own countries. It's a level yeah. that's difficult to fathom. You were just there. And if I can pause for a second, Paul, you've had quite a year just due to kind of <laughs> random scheduling things. In one year, you've hit, albeit, albeit quickly, Nürburgring, yeah. Monaco, and now Pebble Beach. And I and I will I will note to the audience this is not because Paul flew there in his G five jet and it <laughs> no. is just rolling in money it just has worked out that way but you came from Pebble Beach I'm very jealous I want to hear about it because apparently in spite of our <clears throat> recession a few years ago people have money again well as one of my the, one of the people that I went with this year he consistently calls it slumming with the trillionaires and even though that is pretty funny it's actually not that far off which is crazy to think about. Yeah. And yeah, I've I've been very thrilled to be able to attend Monaco and see crazy cars there. But if you're into cars in any way, shape, or form, you have heard of Monterey Car Week or Pebble Beach Weekend, whatever yeah, you want to call it. It is newsworthy every year because quite literally, newspapers carry front page headlines of how much money a particular car sold for uh -huh, at an auction. Uh -huh. So this well, that is one Ferrari broke the record this year, right? Did yeah, I was not there for that, but this is a weekend that not only combines at least five different auction houses auctioning some of the rarest, most expensive, and quite frankly the most beautiful machinery on the planet. It's Laguna Seca. It's two days of historic races. True. It's yeah, yeah. many car shows. It's not just Pebble Beach on Sunday. It yeah, is right. Legends of the Audubon. It's the Quail Lodge. It's Concorso Italiano. On and on. And all these yeah. specific car shows dedicated to various makes and models. And it's amazing. And, and you feel like you've just been bulldozed. And you think, well, I could never look at a car again. Having, having, I was going to say, having been before, and I wish I could have gone this year, but you know, there's always next year. Having been before, I will say it is one of the only times in my life when after three days of looking at every car I could imagine and some that I thought I'd never see, and many of those parked side by side by side, after three days, I kind of walk away going, you know what? I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay for a little while. About a week later, I recover. But after that onslaught of vehicles, it, it's really like nowhere else on the globe. I really, want to know, yeah. what was the most ridiculous thing you saw this year? <laughs> it was ridiculous, too, because of the story that I later found out. Went over to Spanish Bay Golf Course. 
there's uh, the the retro auto. This is all the memorabilia for sale at the Pebble Beach weekend. That has been moved from Pebble Beach over to Spanish Bay this year. And so we decided to go check that out, take a look. And at the hotel there, we roll in and valet parked. I actually put this picture up on our Twitter page. There's, among many hot cars, there's a McLaren P1. Now, mm. McLaren P1s mm. have just started to get deliveries to the United States, and this is a rare car in and of itself. Of course. It's a fantastic yeah. car for an exotic driver show. We would love to drive this car. It is, I don't know how to describe the green, but tasteless tops the list. And yeah. not only is it a Kermit the Frog, Key Lime combination of just nasty fish scale metallic candy apple green, <laughs> the wheels are painted the same color. That's a lot of green. That you got to really like green. You've and then so here's the story. I see this guy <laughs> showing it off, okay. and one of the guys there just happened to be the former linebacker Michael Strahan. He was, okay. you know, he's a big dude, even though he's on talk show now or television now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this owner is showing the car to Michael Strahan. Michael can't fit in the car, and we're standing <laughs> around just kind of looking at everything, and. Turns out the owner is from Florida, and every other exotic car that he has is painted the same green color. Ugh. Yeah, Ugh. that's it's what like makes Andre it Agassi, whose entire garage was white. Remember back in the nineties oh, yeah. when he had a bunch of exotic cars that were all white. <laughs> Move on, folks. If you can afford to own a lot of varied cars, try varied colors. I'm just going to put that out there. Why not? Why not? Varied What's colors wrong with are Skittles? great, but this green is obviously a custom color. It's not a wrap. Yeah. And then you yeah, go yeah, to yeah. try and sell that car later. Well, you had it painted the green you like, not anybody yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, you're so rich that <laughs> resale doesn't matter. Yeah, that's a great point. You're, you're, it's, it's now irrelevant to you if anyone else ever <laughs> likes it. I just, thinking this thought just floored me. I thought. Yeah, that's... Well, that's money that I it. cannot fathom, honestly. <laughs> you're going to need to sell this car and get money. Well, no, I guess you don't care about money. So, all right, do what yeah. you want. Good job. So what was uh, these auctions? I mean, that one Ferrari sold for $38 million, which was a record. What, and what I thought, here's the crazy thing I know from being there before. Here's what I thought. That $38 million does not pers- uh, include the, what is it, 10% auction house fee? When they publish those numbers, yep. that does not include that figure. So that means that was an over $40 million car when that person walked out. Oh, yeah. $38 million is what the, what the auction ended at. That does not include the auction fee. So it's a $40 <laughs> million car. It is a 10% buyer's premium on yep. top of the, the hammer price. So you think, oh, it sold for, I think it was 36 or whatever it was. It yeah. was eye-wateringly expensive. And you think, yes. oh, okay, that's the price they yeah. pay. No, no, add 10% to that. And then you got to get is, it home, and then you got to insure it. Unbelievable. Here, wrapped in this crazy exotic car debate discussion, I want to say this. Here's our only bit of exotic car consumer advice. If you're going to buy an exotic car, don't buy one at auction. It will cost you more. I'm just putting that out there. There it is. Well, speaking of auction, there's... Like I said, five or six auction houses, and a big thank you and shout out to Gooding. Gooding does it absolutely right. I feel like yeah, they're yeah. the classiest auction house at this event. They just do it right, and they make you feel like family. They just really roll out the red carpet, and it doesn't matter if you're bidding or not. It's yeah. just a lot of fun to go watch these. And I never really used to be into the auction thing, but being part of the spectacle and being there, there's energy. It's just a lot of fun. And of course, you get to go to the preview and see all these. Gorgeous, gorgeous cars. It's fantastic. Yeah. 
Well, that's actually the thing I, I, that I was surprised by the year that I went. I think I think a lot of people realize if you go to the preview, and of course there's a there's a fee, but you know what is it, uh, ten twenty bucks or something? It's you go to the preview. Forty now. Oh, is it forty? Well, yeah. there you go. Hey, hey, the recession is gone. We now all have money apparently. <laughs> but, anyway, but if you pay to go to the preview, I personally, as a car geek who doesn't can't fathom you know tens of millions of dollars for anything. But the fact that if you go to the preview, they treat everybody the same. You they can really get do. in these cars that they're going to auction the next day. You can climb in them. You can walk around them. I mean, you know, please don't come in drunk. But short of that, you can walk around and actually interact with these cars that are about to sell for tens of millions of dollars. I mean, frankly, that Ferrari was probably one of the ones up on a pedestal you couldn't get to. But right, by and large, right. you can get into all these cars. And that really was kind of the highlight for me of the auctions was actually knowing I'd been in and around this car and now I'm seeing it roll across. And then the money starts to get to that place where it just, for me personally, becomes white noise, yeah. where, where it figures that I cannot fathom to the point that it just becomes a drone. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's fascinating. And just the spectacle of it all, there are quite literally owners who fly into Monterey Airport in their private jet, but oh. the, the, there's a trailer that has been driven for them because they might go to the yeah. auction and yeah, fill it yeah, full yeah. of cars they bought. But on that trailer oh, is the Ferrari they might drive around Carmel for the weekend. It's staggering. It, You've not seen money like this. And just for the fun of it, you, you think to yourself, wait a minute, was I sick the day they handed out Ferraris? Because Seriously. I, I missed yeah. the sign-up sheet. Where was it? What, what was Seriously. I doing? Yeah. Fantastic. And, and I have, I honestly, I have to be honest with you, Paul. I, I have a love hate relationship with going because, on one level, I'm amazed by the, the spectacle of it. On another level, I'm a little bit disgusted. It's, it's at a it's... level that I so cannot fathom. It is so even out of my like awareness that I start to go, okay, this is starting to make me just a tiny bit sick to my stomach. It's there is amazing, good news yeah. in this for us, though. There is good news, and that is, for all of you listening, and for us, because it's thrilling, we actually know a few owners that are operating at this Let's Go to Pebble Beach level now, a few yes. of whom are fans of the show and have very interesting garages. That is good news. That is worth going to Monterey for. And I and I love, thank you to those guys, if any of you are listening, I love that those guys, yes, you've you. seen some of their cars in the show and we'll probably see others in the future. We do have a few friends now that operate at this level, which is a good thing because we certainly do not. Well, those are some of the garages we want to share with our viewers and share with you. We're looking forward to that. We're still working on a few things, but just yep. know that that is in the works and these guys have some fun toys, so... We like to make I want to. I want to make one little teaser. I don't want to get into the car too much, but I want to make one little <laughs> teaser, and then I think we got to move on to the car debates. But uh, the one little teaser is you got into a car that we have just put on our schedule. Coming up this fall, we're doing a big piece around the new Alpha 4C. Yes. It was, in some ways, a big toast of this Monterey show, and you got in it. I did, and this was a private media event, and thanks to Chrysler, Fiat, you are very generous to us. Thank you so much for your support. Yes, this event was uh, not open to the public. It was uh, just a little taste, and I got to get in it for about a 45-minute drive, and that's all I will say about that car. I'm... But I will acknowledge, 45 minutes sounds like a lot. You did about half of that in Carmel traffic, which is as bad a stop-and-go as you will ever see. The only good thing about that stop-and-go traffic is. is that the cars in front of you and behind stuck stuck with you in traffic are all gorgeous. That's the only reason that commute is decent. <laughs> Otherwise, there's a lot of sitting still in Carmel when you're driving a car. But we're very yes, excited to true. confirm we have a 4C in our, uh, in our schedule for later in the year that's going to be awesome. Yep. But yep. I think we should leave the world of ridiculous money and uh, Pebble Beach we should move on to our car debates. First, I want to talk about, because it relates, Tyler in California, who has said to us, 
uh, that he he doesn't really commute. He commutes with public transit. Mm -hmm. He wants a car that can be fun because most of the driving he does, you're going to love this because i got to be honest with you, Tyler, I am jealous. Most of his driving is occasional errands, but a lot of it is multiple length, uh, like long distance road trips up and down Highway 1. This is what he does for fun. He goes camping, he goes driving Highway 1, and he's like, okay, guys, what car should I get? And I'm thinking, this is your driving experience? I mean, that's just about only do the good stuff there. And I'm I'm thrilled for you, Tyler, but I'm also sitting here very jealous. <laughs> Bravo, Tyler. You have written and told us you're currently driving a 2011 BMW 335 diesel. And also a little bit of jealousy there. You took delivery of it, their BMW European Delivery Program, which yeah, yeah. I have heard nothing but good things about. That's where you go to mm -hmm. Europe, pick your car up at the factory, and instantly take it on the Autobahn. Then you can ship yep. it back to America and you know take a little vacation. Fantastic. So uh, that's just an unbelievable way to, to buy a car. Yeah, agreed. So agreed. fantastic. And yes, uh, you've written in and saying that... Uh, this is starting to be a car that's finding its way into the shop a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I haven't had much experience personally with BMWs and some unreliability, but I can understand that, and you're kind of wanting to get out of it. But I mean, unfortunately, you're, you're having the, so. the bad reputation moment come to fruition here. I mean, yeah. you will certainly find plenty of people who have got long-running BMWs, but you'll also find a lot of people who, after they start to get some good miles on them, can't keep them out of the shop. That's starting to become your experience, and so you want to step out of it. You're looking for something roughly thirty grand or less. Mm -hmm. you, at first, we're talking about uh, hatchbacks. I mean, here's the interesting thing about Tyler. He wrote us the first time right before we started this podcast, so a few weeks ago. And I wrote back to him and told him we were going to do this podcast. And we started an email dialogue that this is where this gets tough, Tyler, because you have actually already driven just about every car we could recommend and <laughs> yeah. have given your thoughts. So here we are. Looking at this at, list at, going, wow. Yeah, I'm looking at this astounding list, and thank you for the detail, but I'm looking at this astounding list going, well, you've kind of driven it, which is great because we want you to go drive this stuff. But some of this is just going to be kind of reviewing what you've already said and then trying to help guide you as a result of what you've already driven because this is an enormous list. You started with hatchbacks, driving things as simple as the new Mazda 3, which you liked, but... You can't get the good engine with the manual gearbox and you're wanting to go manual. The Volvo C30, which is really interesting for a Volvo, that's how we feel about it, but it's not really interesting enough as a performance car. And that's right. pretty much what you said. And it's funny because Paul and I feel exactly the same. So those were two of them that were in the hatchback kind of interesting category that just aren't hot enough. And then the list goes on and on and on. So hop in here, Paul. Uh, Tyler, the list kept going uh, for hatchbacks with the Focus and Fiesta, both STs. And it's funny, I'm laughing looking at your list because you have, like, like we've said, you've nearly driven everything that we might recommend and for one reason or the other sort of ruled it out and said, eh, kind of, you know, it doesn't meet this requirement. So I, I do have an idea in my head, but we'll come back to that. Okay. So you tried okay. this Focus so, ST. Yeah, you said Focus and Fiesta. You liked the Focus. You, you were impressed yeah, both with of the these are great. The handling. You like the Fiesta, but thought it was a little small, a little stiff, a little bit too edgy, which I think is interesting considering you're looking for a performance car. The Fiesta is almost too hardcore in your in your feeling. So that's interesting to note kind of from my recommendations coming up later. Uh, I want to run through some of the ones you mentioned and didn't like. You said the mini hardtop felt gimmicky and toy-like, but fun. Okay, I'll take you on that. Uh, one of the ones I find fascinating is you at first were really fascinated by the new GTI. Mm -hmm. and asked us our thoughts of it in comparison to the prior, the Mark 6 versus the Mark 7 GTI. Which we recently driven drove. both. 
Yeah, yeah, having driven driven both. What I was going to say to you before you answered your own question was that the seven is not revolutionary. Okay, here's the thing about it. It's a it's a GTI. It's a great all around car. Uh, it feels kind of like what Porsche does with the 911. It, it's a refinement, not a revolution. And you drove them both and actually kind of preferred the six. And I say, if you kind of lean GTI, why not go six? You can save yourself a good amount of money because uh, you preferred the six anyway. The seven yeah. is improved in some ways, but it is refined. It is not, wow, the seven's amazing. That's, that's not really going on. I think the Golf R might be revolutionary compared to the prior Golf R. But in standard GTI form, it's not a revolutionary shift. Tyler, I've got to agree with Todd here. We drove uh, at High Plains Raceway on Colorado. We tracked the new GTI. We've not yet driven uh, road test for the Mark 7 GTI, but I think to both of us it felt good, and there were some real high points to it, but clearly not a gigantic step. And because it's really an iconic car, yes, Volkswagen has to treat this car like Porsche does, as you mentioned. It's Mm got to be step-by-step refinements because if they make it so good, well, then what's the Mark 8 generation going to be? 500-horsepower GTI? I don't think so. (laughs) It's got to be good refinements. It's But the problem is it's still got to land in a price point for most consumers that are looking for Mm -hmm. that enthusiast car. So if you're looking for a GTI, buy used. Go with the Mark 6. It's a brilliant car, fun to drive. And I would say, having now driven both of them, I don't think there's a gigantic difference between the two of them in in terms of really the things you're looking for, the qualifications. But there's one car on here that you've mentioned, and that is the Porsche Cayman. And you've Uh mentioned it's a bit of a long shot. It is a rather impractical vehicle. However, it has a trunk and it's got a frunk. And uh-huh. Todd and I have uh-huh. road tripped in my car. As a matter of fact, yep. I own an 07 yep. Cayman S, which I love. And yes, this is not an airport run, take all your friends to dinner kind of car. However, we found that's it That's not to what be he needs. Surprising. That's what's interesting. I mean, the kind of driving right. he's talking about, up and down Highway 1 to visit family, up and down Highway 1 to go camping. I mean, okay, look, you don't look at Porsche Cayman and think there's a vehicle for my camping trip. Obviously, it's not a hatchback. Right. But the Cayman works for that road. It has a surprising amount of usability, and he actually talks in here about really liking it. And when we first started talking with Tyler via email, the Cayman was my recommendation, and and then he went and drove it. And I think mm-hmm. this is fascinating. I want to go on a tangent about this. He went and drove the Cayman, and his response was it was pretty much everything he wanted except for noise. Which is now, interesting. Now, here's my thought here. here. Here's my thought here, twofold. One, he's driven the FRS. Now, you think, you, Paul, think that the FRS BRZ is way too loud a car. Now, two thoughts on that. First off, yes, it's loud when you have the engine screaming, but it has a sound tube. I mean, you can pop the hood, you can take off that sound tube, plug the hole, and right there you can reduce the sound level if it bothers you. But the second thing about it, and I think this is one of those interesting, everybody that drives, we all have a bias. And this is a bias in Paul, and it's a a valid bias, by the way. (laughs) I submit to Paul, honestly, buddy, I don't think your Cayman is any quieter than an FRS BRZ. It sounds better, but the Cayman is not a quiet vehicle inside. And I want to mention this to Tyler for this reason. This is what I would refer to as the mid-engine phenomenon. Because I think we as drivers generally, we're so conditioned to a front engine car and having that noise not only out front, but having all of the sound deadening between us and Mm -hmm. that engine with the firewall, with the placement of it. There's so much sound that is deadened out. I mean, this is the reason, let's be honest, BMW is now piping the sound in digitally because all of that sound baffling gets in the way of you hearing the engine note. When you get in a mid-engined car, 
it's completely different what you've experienced any other time. And I, and here I'm talking about literally Lotus Elise, Porsche Cayman, Acura NSX. Yep. They're all the same, and that is, you can't escape the engine noise. Now I'm not they're saying they're all at your back. It's, they're right there. It's actually kind of nice, but right there at like shoulder, just below ear level. Is that noise? Is that noise the engine? It doesn't go away. Now, in the Cayman, we did, like Paul said, we did a, a half-the-country road trip in his car when he bought it. And it actually wasn't annoying at all. But I think it requires a headspace shift of, ah, this is a mid-engine car, and I'm going to hear this engine. If you're willing yes. to accept that kind of awareness, that shift when you get into it, personally, Tyler, I think the Cayman is the best choice. I've got to agree with Todd. And I'm thinking about this. Reading your response here, it was the loud interior, I think for me, this falls in the category of reasons to own a supercar. Now, the Cayman is not a supercar, but mm -hmm. in supercars, there's little quirks about them that you just accept because you love the car so much. Back sure, in the 80s, sure. it was the wheel well, Countach's and you know, cars that were very low slung, the front wheel well intruded into the footwell space, and so you're almost, your body is sitting at an angle. So therefore, yes, a quirk, but man, you're driving a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or whatever it is, sure, so you're sure, willing sure. to accept little things like that. In the case of the Cayman, for me, I didn't realize that you're right, it is loud in there. The engine's right at your back, but I'm willing to accept that because of the pleasure that I get driving this car at low speeds or high speeds on a road trip. It's got plenty yeah. of space. It had plenty of space for both Todd and I, both mm -hmm. of our bags. We were remarking to each other on this road trip thinking, huh, this is a bit of a better road trip car than I thought it was going to be. We yeah. thought it was going to be I, a I expected to hate you about 200 miles in. Trip, you know? yeah, I expected to hate you about 200 miles in. And in a Lotus' <laughs> yeah. lease, as much as I love it, oh, 200 yeah. miles in, I would have wanted to hate you. Yeah. But this oh, car, yeah. honestly, three days worth of driving we did, and it was great. It was fantastic. It really was. Um, and, and I never thought, wow, this, is just, this car is just loud. Is the engine there? Yes, it is present. It's ever-present, but it's not a bad sound, and you can run it in sixth gear, and it's not that loud. And then when you get into it, now yours actually, Paul, you've got the aftermarket, the, the sport exhaust, the Porsche sport yep. exhaust, which makes it louder, yep. and we still weren't bothered by it. Now, this is us. Tyler, that may be a deal breaker for you, but I kind of feel like, and we're skipping over some of your list because your list is long. I kind of feel <laughs> like of the things you like, this this feels like it checks every box for you with what you've talked about, with the exception of it's louder than you hoped for. So my feeling is, it's not a bad noise, except the loudness, get a great car. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we both love the Cayman. It's a fantastic car. However, if, the, for whatever reason, Tyler, that you rule the Cayman out, I have a suggestion for you. And yeah, looking back at the quick. list, I noticed you're kind of a BMW guy. And you've driven two of them on this list. One was an 06 Z4. The other one was a 2011 Z4. Uh -huh. But uh -huh. it wasn't the BMW Z4 Coupe. Do you remember you this car? You keep coming back to that. You're pounding on that, I feel like. You keep returning to that because people forget it. I forgot about this car, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's what you wrapped up with, that Tyler wrapped up with. Something that feels mechanical, driving experience of the Cayman, with the refinement safety standards of a modern car, and in a practical form factor like a hatchback. It's like a Cayman with a big station wagon. It's like a Cayman shooting brake is what it is. To some degree, yeah, to some degree. And Tyler, if you're already a BMW kind of a guy, this car could be a little bit more spacious. It could fit the bill. You're going to have to shop Maybe. really well to find one. I Honestly, I didn't look up anything uh, before we started the podcast to do any pricing. So you're going to have to shop pretty well. But I would think if you got in that uh, yeah. 
you know, early 10s, you know, 2010, 2011, yeah, I don't know if, 2012. I don't know if 30K is going to do it, but maybe. Maybe, it might, it yeah. Might. It might be really the, the animal that you're trying to find because mm-hmm. none of these are fitting the bill for one reason or another. But I'm just wondering, it's a rare car. You wouldn't see yourself coming and going. It could be very interesting, and you could find yourself smiling on a road trip, smiling yeah, in the yeah. canyon. You could love this thing. So that's my recommendation wanna, for you as an alternate to the Cayman. Okay. I think that's good. I want to throw a couple wild cards out, but I want to th- jump off of something else you said in here, All right. Tyler. And that is, you said you drove the FRS BRZ, and you also drove the current MX-5 Miata hardtop. Mm-hmm. And your takeaway, this is what I find fascinating, because I really like both those cars. I know, Paul, you're not a huge fan of the MX-5, but I actually really like the MX-5, and I really like the FRS BRZ. I actually find those cars to be sixes. You know, six to half dozen, 50-50, you take your pick. I think it comes down to sure. personal preference. There's so many similarities in sheer grunt and driving feel. I actually think the FRS BRZ are, are a little bit flatter in the corners. Now, there's an easy aftermarket fix for the NC Generation Miata, but I think it's a little bit high riding and soft. Just, just don't, don't get me wrong. By millimeters, it's a little high riding and soft compared to the FRS. In general, it's great. Both those cars are underappreciated because they are underpowered and great driver's cars. What I find fascinating, you drove both, thought the Miata was fantastic, thought the FRS was disappointing. This to me mm. just speaks to how personal preferences, how cars just speak to you personally for whatever reason, for whatever inexplicable way, because I feel the opposite. I really like the MX-5. I would take an FRS or BRZ over an MX-5 any day, but I have really no real problem with the MX-5. I also find it funny you like the MX-5 so much considering it is probably the least usable vehicle you have driven on your enormous list. <laughs> and there was nothing the trunk, negative about it here. <laughs> the tr- exactly. You said nothing but good things. Which is funny. The trunk is tiny. But yeah. Hardtop's very usable. The trunk is tiny. It's not powerful. You will be sitting closer to your passenger than any other car you've listed here. I mean, this is a small car. It makes the FRS BRZ look yeah. like a utility vehicle. It looks pretty okay? long. Yeah, so you know, uh, you've got a couple wild cards you were going to suggest here? Yeah, so I part of me just says, based on what you've said here, get the MX-5. Why not? Mm. You would have a lot of fun with it. Great right. gas mileage. If, you can, if that can serve your needs, awesome. But I have a completely bizarre wild card. All right, I'm very curious. C6 Corvette. Really? C6? Surprising. Well, I mean, look, the C7 is a far better car. I'll be the, yeah. obviously. It's a far, far better car. But 30 grand, you can't touch one. So That's true, C6, but Tyler's C6, not older than 60, and he doesn't have his chest hair sticking out of his shirt with gold <laughs> chains and an 80s cell phone to drive around with. So All right, I'm not fine, sure he's fine, the target fine. market. Yeah, look, I, I don't think it's a perfect match. Again, this is a wild card, but let's be honest. The the back hatch of a, of a vet, if you don't know this already, here's the thing about a vet. The back hatch of a vet is cavernous. You yeah, could go camping in that car and never think twice. It's got a really good <laughs> amount of power. Strange. Yeah, exactly. Here I am camping in my Corvette. It's got a good amount of power when you want to be when you want to be goofy, but it, at the same time, you put it in six gear, it gets good gas mileage. It's a decent cruiser vehicle. Now, I'm not in love with it. It is a wild card out there. I'm just saying you're driving a lot of stuff. Why not drive that? It is going to be a, a different size than everything else we're talking about, but I'm just thinking wild card, what's out of the box? You're driving a lot of stuff. At yeah. the very but, least, it would provide perspective to the rest of your list, Tyler. So for that reason, drive it. On the other hand, you, I, I think you're required to drive it at about 55, 60 miles an hour in the third lane. <laughs> So, I mean, Camrys are passing you at 90, and I go, oh, Corvette, that looks cool. Yep, old guy. Uh, 
So hey, hey, stereotypes exist for a reason. The the C (laughs) seven is so good. I have to kind of come to the defense of the vet because it wasn't a bad car. It just wasn't a car that excited me. And now in the C seven, it's a great car. I have to acknowledge. All right, we should move on. We should move on. (laughs) All right. Tyler, we could talk about Tyler for the next twenty minutes. We, we already could, have. Moving but on. But you're right. Let's let's move on to Noah up in Canada. And uh, yes, as definitely. you said, he's got a good amount of money to spend, which is very mm-hmm. exciting because I've got some thoughts here. But okay. uh, uh, Noah, you said you've got eighty five thousand Canadian. The exchange rate works out to about seventy grand in the U.S., which is a good amount of money. And you're looking for a summer sports car. Put up on the lift Again, during the winter. this is the exotic driver car debate. Here we go. It is. It, keeping in the theme with money here. <laughs> looking for thirty to 35,000 miles used. And you're looking at Porsches. You've got a 997 on here. Uh, yeah. It looks like a twin turbo, but that's the first generation of the 997. Yeah. Or the C4S as the 997.2. But you've got some pretty restrictive requirements here. You like yeah. manual. Yeah. Uh, nothing American. Although there are American cars that are built in Canada, but that's a different discussion for another day. <laughs> so speaking of Corvettes, a little bit of a left turn. no yeah, C7 or C6, not allowed. And you mentioned your wife doesn't like the GTR, so that's out. And then here I was talking about BMWs, wait, wait. but you mentioned that a mechanic that you know has warned you about electrical issues. I Again, I've not owned a BMW, so if this is you and you've had problems with that, all right, I can understand that. Uh, but then there was another thing on here that caught my eye. <laughs> we also talked about the Cayman. I own a Cayman. I love it. And you said you don't like it. So I've... Which I'm, I'm a little baffled by. I'm I have to be honest. dying I, I, to know why. Yeah. I'm I'm curious if you've driven this car, Noah, because dying. obviously we speak highly about the Cayman, not just yeah. because Paul owns one, but because for the money, for the used money specifically, I think new you could debate that they're just too expensive. But for used money, they're one of the best out there. So I, I'm going to say to you, in spite of your restrictions, I'm going I'm to kind of push back on you on two restrictions. One, give the Cayman a good look. And two, you've said your wife will not even ha- allow you to tolerate anything American. I'm not sure the mm-hmm. reasons. Maybe you have a bad experience, whatever. Mm-hmm. You and your wife go drive a C7 Corvette. It is that good. I could actually yeah. go with you if you were only talking C6. In spite of the fact we just recommended it to Tyler, I could go with you <laughs> all the way up through the C6. But the C7, here's the thing. I have always respected Corvettes and never been intrigued by them. With the C7, if I had the money, I would go buy one. They are that good. I say take your wife, go down, at least drive a C7 so you can think about it. Because it's it's quite a different animal than you expect and an incredible car for the money. I'm not sure why you don't like the Cayman, but I'll, all right, I'll I've go with you know. there. I'll Noah, go with you there. I've, I've got to know, so please write back. I'm really curious, but I'm in agreement with Todd. I'm a Porsche guy. I love hot sports cars, and I've never yes, looked at Corvettes for the above-stated reasons that I just mentioned in Tyler's debate. And the <laughs> C7 is a brilliant car. I was shocked. Yeah. It's sharp. It's brilliant. I could actually see myself owning one. And I'm thinking, you know, everything inside me is screaming, no, don't do it. (laughs) You're going to have to change everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But wow, was this car good. And it's changed the demographic for anybody looking at a sports car. Mm -hmm. And so anything on this list, you haven't mentioned if you've driven or not. So if you have driven these cars and ruled them out for various reasons, okay. 
But if you haven't driven them, we suggest that you go do just at least a drive. If you know somebody mm-hmm. here, go to a dealer or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just open mind. Okay, we're just driving them. That way you can have the comparison later on when you do decide on the car that you want. You'll at least have that in your hip pocket. You know that you, okay, I drove that. I didn't like it, mm-hmm. but at least I drove it. That's what and we And I suggest. want to clarify. You know, Noah's married. His wife has certain cars she just, just sure. can't uh, let him be interested in. Uh, but Noah's, uh, Noah is not the old guy you were talking about earlier. This is not your, your traditional Corvette driver. And I didn't mean to uh, imply that. But <laughs> no, I'm not, no, I'm not suggesting yes. that you are. I just, I'm just clarifying for the audience's yes. perspective. We just yes. happen to know that. So uh, you know, he is genuinely looking for a fun summer sports car. And it's let, let me rephrase. He might autocross it. He might track it. That's not necessarily the reason he's doing it. He wants sporty and fun and possible track car. And he's opened it up. He said, look, I'd consider an Ariel Adam. I'll speak to the Adam for a second. Only if you're going to have a track car. Yeah, that's really a If this is, car. hey, honey, let's go drive the fun car, that will happen once. Because <laughs> you're, not, you're not going to dinner in that car. You're not going to drive it for fun no. with your wife. Unless she wants to go hang out at the track, that is an irrelevant car for this discussion. And because yeah. your wife is a consideration, and I get it, I totally understand, because she's a consideration, you want her to like the car as well, you want to have a sporty car you feel proud of, I've kind of drifted more toward that thing, and I've got, I've got a few recommendations here. I like your 911, by the way. 997-911, you really can't go wrong there, honestly. If yeah, you like those, you know, if you've seen our 50 Years of 911 piece, that was one of my favorites out of the eight cars that we drove. The 997 Generation 911 is a great all-around car, and they've come down a lot in price. For your money, you can easily get options. I mean, I actually looked it up today. You sh- you shop smart. You could maybe get a turbo, and that's yeah. amazing. That's an incredible car that for that be. kind of money. Yeah, Noah. There's a, a bit of a twist, uh, audience, that Noah threw in, and that is a list of cars that can and cannot be imported into Canada mm-hmm. for various vehicle safety reasons, for various governmental restriction reasons. So yeah, yeah. I thought of a few, and then nope, that's not on the list. Shoot. All right, so I've got to go back. But I did come up with three. Okay. Here, and I, w- I want to suggest these. They are all mid-engine cars. Okay. I got a couple, too, so go, go, go. I'm sure curious if we overlap. Uh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, the twist is, Noah, you said you might want to do some autocrossing. And I'm not sure that any of these are good for that, so keep that in mind. This is yeah. These cars will fit everything else, I feel like. But for the autocross, uh, I've, got, I've got a wild card for the autocrossing. Okay. But first up, you mentioned no Lotuses. Not true. Canada does allow the 1999 to 2004 Lotus Esprit V8. That could yes, be an interesting car. I'll go. I'll go you another one. I don't know how they got there, but I actually looked up cars for sale in Canada. You know what you could get, Noah, is an Avora. I don't know Ooh. what what happens to get them in the in the country, but they're there and they're for sale. Lotus Avora all day long. You'd have to go used at that price, I believe. I'm not. I think yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. These 80, are all used. Yeah, US. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. No, no, no. But they're there. I mean, I actually got curious and I looked it up, and there's Avoras for sale used in Canada. So they're there. Go buy one. <laughs> well, Todd, you've driven the Avora supercharged, yes? I know you've driven I've the driven regular. Standard, I, I've driven standard and supercharged. Okay. And, yes. Uh, it's it's a it's a great car. The only downside to it is, and this is a Lotus reality, it's not a great gearbox. It's a little bit of a slow manual gearbox. That is kind of the only strike against it. Handling mm-hmm. is fantastic. 
The supercharged, yes, is better than the standard, but even in the standard form, this is not a slow car. This is not a boring car, and there's not very many of them. You could get an Evora for the money. I mean, I like I like what your suggestion is, Paul, but I looked up Evoras because I was like, really? No Evoras? And yes, they're there. Interesting. I bet you could autocross that thing, and you would be unique. It's a Lotus. It's going to handle well. That's really interesting. All right. It's a better track car than autocross car. I mean, you want, you want to stretch its legs a bit. It's, I just can't imagine the tightness too. of a... Autocross, but it would be fun and everything else. Keep going. Ah, I like that choice. All right, I'll keep going. It seemed to me that the restrictions, when I looked these up, it seemed to be 1999 and newer. That may be the case across the board, but I, these other two, I would suggest 1999 and newer, Acura NSX. And probably in mm-hmm. Canada, it might be the Honda. But we drove that car and super impressed. You wouldn't have to spend seven grand, actually. No, but for no, a, no, no. 03 to 05, something really a lot newer in top condition Yeah, that is kind of a track car. Wow. I think that would be a brilliant choice. Mid-engine. Great across it's the board. A, it's a Honda engine. I think you'd have a lot of fun, and it would fit every category on here. I think you could autocross an NSX, as a matter of fact. Hysterical, because that's also on my list. So we've awesome. hit two, two very close to each other. Yeah, I think the NSX <laughs> may be the most versatile car because you could track it, you could autocross it, it's small enough, yeah. it's oh, reliable yeah. enough, it's a Honda, it's great. You could also clean it up and go to the nicest restaurant in town, and I guarantee you the valets are going to consider should we park this car out front. It's unique, it's sexy, NSX would be a great choice. Oh, I threw yeah. the, uh, I don't know, you have to shop smart, but I threw the original, like 08, 09 Audi R8 in here. Ooh. The V8. You'd have to shop smart. I think you'd barely make it, but you could yeah. maybe find an R8. That's a great choice. I, yeah, the price, I don't know if they've come down quite 70, maybe a higher mileage yeah. example, maybe. But then, yeah, shop well, and you could have yourself a, a the V8, which is fine for both Todd yeah. and I. We didn't mind it one bit. It's got plenty of power, and, and it's a little bit lighter. So. Yeah. And we have tracked drive, that car. That's not that's not really an autocross car, but you could track that car. I mean, you the one that we could. drove had been beaten to the ground by journalists and still was a fantastic track car. You could track that car if you wanted to get actually out on a racetrack. And I'm going to mention one that is even farther toward GT cars and a little, more, a little less track, though, that All I right. know you could get. Aston Martin Vantage, the Ooh. V8, stick Ooh. shift. That, now, that's that really that's not really a track car. That's it's not really an autocross, an autocross car, car either. Car. No. <laughs> Though I would love for you to buy it. Please, please. You know what? Just buy the Vantage and go autocross it. I just want to see that photo. <laughs> I really do. I, w- I want you to be the guy that shows up at the autocross and goes, yep, I brought a Vantage. But That's awesome. I, but there is a dip, deep, rich history of Aston Martin racing, so you're not wrong course. for yeah, autocrossing yeah. this thing. I, I think that's not an overly reliable choice, I'll be honest. I don't think – I think one of the reasons those cars have dropped so much in value is because they're just – they're not that much fun to own <laughs> it's funny financially. You brought, <laughs> but, it's funny bring that up. Hey, I uh, – I actually talked to a guy today who said, yeah, I was driving my fun car and I put it on launch control and I grenaded my transmission. I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I said, what do you drive? What's your fun car? He said, oh, nine, Aston Martin Vantage. Oh, no. Yeah, Ugh. all bad. All he bad. said, if so, my mechanic anyway. says it's going to be 25000 oh, okay, so five Okay, so maybe not the Vantage. Um, <laughs> but I uh, – but here – I feel like my top three for you, you know what, here's the other random wild card. I don't know if they're in Canada yet. Go drive the Alpha 4C. Oh, uh, yes. We, we haven't had the chance to ring it out yet properly to speak on it at length, but I think you should at least drive it. I think your 997, 911s are a good choice. I think the NSX is a good choice. I think the R8 is a good choice. That's my top three for you with the 4C as a wild card. 
Noah, I've got one last suggestion and a wild card <laughs> for you. My last suggestion is Welcome to Ferrari. The 1999 really? to 2005 Ferrari 360 Modena with a six-speed manual transmission. Maybe it was a five-speed. Okay. I could be wrong. Anyway, I know it came with a manual. I don't know Pretty about sure autocrossing that thing, but <laughs> man, you would be distinctive. They have dropped in price. Yeah. I have yeah. done my research, and you can find those things. You'd have to really shop hard for manual transmission. That's really when Ferrari was introducing the F1 electro-hydraulic yeah, yeah, yeah. transmission. Be, that'd be a, almost a... Yeah, However, in a haystack find. but wow, exclusive, fun, amazing car to drive. It's a summer summer toy, and yeah. that could be a whole heck of a lot of fun. I would say ownership wise, ownership cost wise, I would recommend the Evora to you over the three sixty. Well, yeah, yeah three sixty is awesome. Yeah. All right, and I'll leave you with my wild card, Noah, and that is for <laughs> this kind of money. What about two cars? I don't know what your garage space is like, but okay. generally when I think autocrossing, I think Honda S2000. Well, you can pick sure. those up cheap and beat on them for an autocross and yeah. still own something else. You could pick one up for 20 grand or less and then own something else. And so I, my thoughts went to an S2000 and a Nissan 370Z or some sort of combination that you get you know, more of your GT car and more of something you can beat on at an autocross for that kind of money well, what about you know two what? Cars? He might he might be able to go all Honda S two thousand and NSX for that money. You he actually might, might. and then which could be interesting. Best of both worlds, and you've yeah. got the two iconic Honda cars in the last at least twenty years. <laughs> wow, that could be quite a garage. If you do that, Noah, yeah. <laughs> please send photos. I'd be yeah, very and bravo curious. by the way. And we may have to take a road trip to Canada. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> We really, really, really must move on because these are getting longer. Yes, they are. I've noticed. But uh, thank you guys for listening. These have been yep. rather detailed this evening, and uh, we have been hanging out in the money this evening with Pebble Beach and uh, two fun car debates. We'd love Man. to hear what you guys end up with. Thank you, all of you, for listening. I do want to remind you that, hey, we started as a video show. We are mainly a video show. So yep. if you are not subscribed on the YouTube channel, please be there. That is our main reason for existing. We're trying very hard to make high-quality, looks-like TV stuff for no money. We're doing it very cheaply, <laughs> but we're doing we're shooting for very high-end stuff. Many of you love that about the show, so please stick with us. Please pass it on and share it. Yep. You can share us, find us anywhere. It is Everyday Driver on Twitter. It is Everyday Driver on Facebook. Some of the can, uh, Monterey cars I posted on the Twitter feed this weekend. Yeah. Please write yeah, to yeah. us on Facebook so you can see a, a few uh, luscious items on there. Uh, that was a lot of fun. So, yes, write in to the email address, which is everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Yes. Write to We'd us We'd love to hear your well. car debates. Thank you for watching. Thank you for sharing. Uh, coming up next week, by the way, we're going to be discussing our follow-up to our initial conversation about the Drive Channel and their subscription model, what that means for us, what our plans are based on your feedback, what your plans are. That's coming up next week. Yep. But thank you guys for sitting in and listening with us once again. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.